0: This is Real Estate Rookie, episode 177.
1: I always get three quotes for everything, and the reason I do that is, one, to see what the better price and the person I get the best vibe with, but also to learn, and I get information that helps educate me for my
2: decision.
0: My name is Ashley Kerr, and I am here with my co-host, Tony Robinson.
2: And welcome to the Real Estate Rookie Podcast. If this is your first time joining us, we are the podcast is focused on those investors who are at the beginning of their journey. And we're here to give you the inspiration, the information that you need uh, to keep going and to kind of blow up your career as a real estate investor. So Ashley Care, what's uh, what's new? What's going on?
0: Uh, just, I've been uh, this whole episode, I've been doing my knee extensions while we sit here, you know, kill two birds with one stone. Um, Yeah, still recording from my couch but I actually finally closed on the property that is going to have uh, my office in it and also a nice little recording studio so I have to actually, you'll have to remind me when we're done recording this, I have to ask our producer, Eric, what exactly do I need to actually build out the studio? (laughs) Then I can look more professional like Tony instead of sitting here on my couch in a Biggie Smalls t-shirt <laughs> yeah. with my leg
3: on ice
2: <laughs> but you know it wouldn't be Ashley if you weren't a Biggie Smalls t-shirt right yeah. you, you gotta have some cool t-shirt on but uh, no congrats Ashley on closing that property I know uh I know that's one you guys have been working on for a while so yeah. happy to see you across the finish line
0: thank you thank you and what about you what's new with you
2: yeah, we actually just we actually uh, have a property under contract out by you. Um so will yeah, see taking an under contract that you
3: signed. Yeah, so it's yeah. under
2: contract now. Yeah, so we um we're flying out there not this weekend but next weekend. So um we're going to be out there for okay, well, I'm gonna like come... two and a half days. You got to come come check it yeah, out. Yeah, definitely. It's, definitely. A, it's
0: less it's than It's like an two hour and a half, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. something close. like that.
2: So we're we're, we're flying into uh, to, I don't know I think Rochester, and then we're we're driving okay, in. Yeah. So excited to see it. So it's actually a, it, it's run right now as a bed and breakfast. So it's like mm-hmm. a seven bedroom. I think it's like five thousand square feet. It's a massive property. Um, so we're we're still debating on whether or not we're going to continue to rent it as like a bed and breakfast, so people can mm-hmm. rent out the rooms, um, or just rent it out as like some massive property that you know big parties can book and maybe do weddings or something like that. So there's a lot of, a lot of opportunity. So, we're we're excited for that.
0: Yeah, cool. We'll have to do a yeah. rookie reply episode on it uh, once you get more into the dealer. Maybe when you close in. on it. Yeah, that'll be cool. Yeah, to talk most about. definitely. A unique property. Be cool.
2: Yeah. Are current interest rates making you depressed about cash flow? What if it didn't have to be that way? Rent to Retirement has 2.99% seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right. That's a seller financed. rent to retirement offers fully turnkey properties that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed, allowing you to invest with confidence in the markets that offer the best returns. To learn more, visit rent dot com. That's rent dot retirementcom Or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777.
3: Transform your lead generation and deal making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at DealMachine.com/bp.
4: Visit BiggerPockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, and get a free personalized income estimate today. That's BiggerPockets.com slash Vacasa.
0: Today, we have Tammy Skeeth on, and she is an investor out of California, but actually bought her first property in Florida. And she Mm -hmm. talks about how she used another investor's blueprint to build out her first property, And how she has grown and scaled to 17 properties now. Also, if you're interested in 1031 exchanges, she does a great job of modeling how she's been able to use that tax advantage to really build her portfolio.
2: Yeah, Tammy. So Tammy's got like a crazy story, right? She talks about gang houses, uh, buying houses with no sub meters. Uh, there's a, a long story about a burrowing owl. So if you haven't heard of about a burrowing owl, you're going to learn about that today. Uh, but I, I think at at the heart of Tammy's story is just this lesson of... Not shying away from problems that other investors are afraid of, and she's really used that to her advantage. And the other thing that really stood out to me during her story is just her 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 thoughts on goal setting. And you know, we kind of talked a little bit uh, throughout the episode of how that's played a, a big role for her as well. And Ash, I guess one question for you, right? So you know, we're we're like three months into the or now four months into the year. Like what? Like I don't know. Like. Ten years from now, where does where does Ashley care? Where do you want to be? Because I shared mine on the podcast, but you didn't. You didn't share your story. What, what's what's Ashley's ten year goal?
0: That's because that's so hard for me to look ten years from now. It's hard for me to even look two years from now. But yeah, honestly, my ten year goal I think would be to let's see, how old will my kids be? Like 15, 16, and mm-hmm. eighteen. Mm-hmm. So I think my goal will be to work. 15 to 20 minutes a day, maybe an hour, Mm -hmm. but still have so many things going on in the background, but I just don't need to be involved. And I I am that mom that's driving her kids to football practice, to snowboarding, to all these different things. And then just being able to be super spontaneous with them. Mm -hmm. Um, I liked how Tammy says in this episode with goal setting is how you pick like even the silly little things that yeah. can motivate you to totally. to get things or to change things. And that's like, I had this revelation when my, during COVID, my kids went to private school and we had to drive the kids every day to school. And I, my first thought was like, "Ugh, I have to drive them to school every <laughs> single morning. And then someone said, a friend had said to me, I get to drive my daughter to school every yeah. morning. I get to spend that time with her. My whole mindset shifts. So that's kind of my ten year goal is... And I think that will actually probably happen before that because I think I'm pretty, um, I get to do a lot of things now with my kids as far as yeah. driving them around, except for as of right now in time, because I sold my car and don't have a new car <laughs> yet and have my crutches, so I don't drive them anywhere at the moment, but, <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> but
0: yeah. But so, that's the goal. Um, yeah, that's uh, just financial freedom, time freedom, even more. So right. I think that's one thing I'm trying to balance right now is like, how much money do I actually want to have? And is it worth giving up more time to time. get that amount mm-hmm. of money?
2: Yeah, so. totally. And it, I, shared, I shared in the episode, but I share again now, my, my goal is to get to $1 billion worth of short-term mm-hmm. rentals um, over the next 10 years. Um, but, you know, very much like you, I want to do that, but still maintain the the time, freedom, and flexibility um so like our I think our goal right now is to to accomplish that by creating a fund that focuses on buying and acquiring short-term rentals. Um, and you know, when you have a fun structure, you're able to kind of put the team in place to yep. manage most of the day-to-day operations. So, you know, that way I can focus on podcasting and, you know, writing our books and all the things that I really enjoy doing, and then kind of have a team in place behind me to, to manage uh, most of the day-to-day. So if you guys want to learn more about, you know, when that fun ever comes, it's not <laughs> here yet, but follow me on Instagram at Tony J Robinson. Um, and if you want to see Ashley act spontaneous, you can follow her, at uh, wealth for rentals and, and see her crutching around the the Western New York. <laughs>
0: You know, what's funny, Tony, is like after my surgery, I didn't go on Instagram. I I don't even think it was a week. I think it was like five days maybe. And I didn't go on any social media. I can't even tell you how many people text me. Are you okay? Like, did <laughs>
2: like where are you? <laughs>
0: yeah. So I decided, yeah. I, it was last night, actually. I decided to get back on. And I started adding to my stories and so invested me and said, oh, yeah, you're back at Instagram. You're I was alive. like, I couldn't handle yeah. all the people texting me. Are you still alive? <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> this is easier.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, before we bring Tammy onto the show, we have to say a very happy birthday to Tammy's mom because today Mm. is her birthday. So happy birthday. And I hope you are so proud and excited to hear your daughter on this episode. So let's bring Tammy onto the show. Tammy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Can you start off with telling everyone a little bit about yourself
1: and how you got started in real estate? Sure. First of all, thank you guys for having me. I really feel very honored and privileged to be here because BP has done so much for my life. And, um, I, I really feel like it's changed the trajectory of my life. And so thank you guys for everything you do. Um, yep. My name is Tammy Skeeth and, um, I grew up in New Jersey, um, single mom. I grew up in the projects, very, pretty poor. Um, and I was given an opportunity to go to college on a scholarship. Um, I, um, ended up studying acting because there's a lot of money in that industry. Um, (laughs) Not, not for a struggling actor, at least. (laughs) And so I, I, but I started hobbling by doing films, commercials, voiceover. Um, I ended up in LA. Uh, I, I did, I was a working actor for about 10, 15 years. And then I had kids and my priorities changed. And my husband and I were looking for, something that I could do that would give me flexibility. And that's where real estate came in. And, um, I, I did my first deal and then I was hooked and, um, and now, you know, we're, we're on our way.
0: Tammy, what made you decide that real estate is what you're doing next? Was there a book, a podcast, uh, somebody in your life that kind of introduced you to real estate as an option?
1: Yes. So growing up, I, my grandmother had one uh, rental property and as a little kid, I would go with her, um, to the different apartments. It was like an eight unit, I think. And, uh, she'd knock on the door and people would give her money. And so I thought, that's pretty cool. Um, (laughs) nobody does that for my mom. Um, and so, uh, I had that in the back of my mind that that was, that was something people did. And then I had a cousin, um, in Florida who uh, was doing very well in his life. And I knew that he was um, involved in real estate. And actually my first deal was something that he, it was a, was a deal that I basically replicated. Um, I knew he had done this deal. And I said, um, can you give me all the information on what you did? And I, I did a step-by-step process. I just carbon copied what he did. And that was my first deal. And I don't know if that's the best way to start, but. Um, Once I did that, then I became familiar with real estate, more of it, and I started listening to podcasts. I came across BP and that led me to um, get more involved in real estate.
2: You know, Tammy, it's funny that you say that you like copied this family member to get started in real estate investing because I did the same exact thing when I got started. Um, so, a lot of you guys know, you know, I started investing in the city of Shreveport, uh, Louisiana, or as my co host Ashley likes to call it, Treeport or, or Freeport. Um, but what happened was my, my mom had retired from California. She moved to, to Shreveport. And when she moved out there, uh, she bought a house and uh, she found a credit union that was willing to, to lend on the purchase and the rehab of that property. And she came out of pocket, $0. And you know, she bought a house, it was super inexpensive. I think the house was like 35,000. She put another like 20,000 into the rehab and the house appraised for like over 100 grand when she was done. And when, when she did that and she told me that, you know, the light bulb goes off in my mind. I'm like, Hmm, I wonder if I can do this, you know, not for a primary, but as I, like as an investment property. So that's how I got started as well as, you know, I, my mom did it first and I just kind of followed her into that market. So I think the lesson for the rookies is, is that if you have someone that's in your network, that's already kind of one step ahead of you, that's like the perfect person to go talk to you to say, Hey, can you give me the playbook on what you did so I can copy what, you know, the success that you've had.
1: Totally. And it doesn't have to be my, the deal that I copied didn't have the same results that he had, obviously, because he had the experience and the connections, but it was good enough for, to get me started and to create that momentum so that I could do it a second and third time.
0: Why did you decide on doing a deal that was exactly like his? Was it because you knew he had success with it or that was, you know, you kind of had a limited mindset. That was the only way to get into real estate. You want to kind of talk about how you decided to do it? his way and what his way was, uh, I guess, too.
1: Right. Um, it was a combination. He was one of the wealthier people in my family because there, there weren't a lot of wealthy people in my family. And I thought, well, whatever he's doing seems to be working, step one. And then the second thing is I had no other ideas really on what to do within real estate um, until I started getting educated through podcasts. And so I because he had done it and he showed me the numbers and what what he had made off of it, I said, "Well, maybe I could do the exact same thing, work with the exact same people, buy in the exact same neighborhood, and do everything exactly the same and have the same results." And again, it wasn't the same exact results, but it got me started and it was a base hit.
2: I, before we keep rolling, Tammy, I just want to give the listeners a, a quick overview of kind of where your portfolio is today. So, just um, what year was it when you started, and then what does the portfolio look like today?
1: Sure. I got started, um, in 2018 Mm -hmm. and I started with a spec home build. So I bought a lot. I built an entire house and then I sold it. I, I, I would not recommend that be your first deal. It was really stressful. And I did it 3000 miles away. I did it in Florida. Um, but again, I was doing exactly what my cousin did. And so he did it in that town. So I was going to do it in that town. Um, and then, and now we have 17 units across Florida and California and um, yeah, that's where we're
0: at today. Tammy, congratulations on that. First of all, that's mm-hmm. awesome to have gotten up to 17 units, um, except, especially doing out-of-state investing too. What was your why? What was the reason? that you wanted to find like another career path and not just, you know, stay a stay at home mom? What were some of those reasons and what was your goal, your end goal?
1: Yes, my um, so early on, my husband and I, after we had kids, um, I was doing part time jobs and trying to, you know, have income to help the family and also, um, you know, have time with the kids. And we sat down and we talked about some goals. And one of our goals was, one of our first goals was, let's, if if we can find, if we can supplement our income with some real estate so that we can at least pay off our mortgage every month, which is our biggest expense here in California, then, you know, I can stay home more. And so our first goal was just that, was to, uh, to, get enough money from real estate to pay off our mortgage. And that happened in about a year and a half. We That was a five-year goal, but that happened in about a year and a half. And then we had to set new goals. And I think that's what's important about goals is you you just have to start somewhere and you just have to define a goal, even if even if it's not a big goal, but a goal, and then you work towards it. And, and most of the time it surprises you how quick you can get to that goal. And then you you pivot and you create new goals. But one of the first steps was we sat down and we, we put a goal together so that I could be around the kids more. And so my my why was time freedom to be with the kids and be at baseball games and all the things that working moms want to do.
0: How important is it for somebody to sit down with their significant other and make these goals together instead of doing them on your own?
1: It's really important. We, we, we try to connect at least monthly and, you know, go for a walk on the beach and talk about where we're at with our goals, talk about what challenges we're having. Um, yearly... Early in the year, we sit down and we look at the goals we made the previous year and we talk about, you know, challenges and successes and it, it, one, helps our relationship and two, it definitely helps our business.
0: What other advice or tips would you have for our listeners who maybe need to get more involved in goal setting and figuring out what their why why is? What are some things they can do to, because even for me, it's hard to look, okay, five years from now. What do I want in five years? It's a lot easier for me to look short term than it is long term. So what's some advice you can give to somebody for goal setting? I mean, you achieved your five year goal in a year and a half. I mean, that's pretty incredible. So what's some action items people can do to kind of achieve the same?
1: I think some of it is play, like just imagination, just getting silly with it and being like, well, you know, like I never want to travel coach again, or I never want, you know, to clean my toilet again or things like that just make you feel good. And then mm-hmm. it can grow from there. It can be like, well, what do we need to do to make that happen? And what steps can we take? Um, I, I struggle with five-year and 10-year ideas too sometimes, but uh, th- what helps me get out of that is I just get kind of silly and fun with it. And then when I get to that place, then I can actually make, once I know what the silly thing is, or the, it might not be silly, but the, the thing that seems um, maybe not necessary, then I can make it more concrete and be like, well, this is what I can do to get there. So it's just part of like imagination, talking, sitting down, saying, well, wh- what motivates you? What excites you? What, what thing makes you want to get up in the morning? And then you can work from there towards what, what concrete goal that is.
2: Tammy, there, there's a few things you mentioned that, that I think are, are really important. Um, first, you said that you, you just need to decide on something, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like just kind of putting that goal in place starts a lot of momentum, even if you have to pivot later. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's fine. But just like getting that goal, I think, identified is is what's super important. Um, You know, Ash and I have talked about this before, but like I was struggling with that a lot in my business uh, about a year ago where it's like, man, you know, I wasn't sure kind of where we were going or what the growth plan looks like. And I was just kind of like spinning my wheels. Um, And then one day I just decided like, okay, it doesn't really matter what the goal is, as long as I'm, I'm I'm happy about it and it excites me, let's just make that the goal and let's move towards it. So I don't even know if I've shared this with you, you yet, Ashley, but um, we just had like our, our annual planning meeting for Alpha Geek Capital. And the goal now is to get to $1 billion in short-term rental assets over the next 10 years, right? So it's going to take us a, a while to get mm-hmm. there. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's the goal that we set, right? And that, that was like a big goal that got us all excited. And now there's like a lot of energy from us as a team, all kind of moving and rowing in that direction. So I think the power of setting the goal is that it energizes you and it motivates you to take a lot of massive action.
1: Absolutely. And, and action is really where it's at. You'll hear that said over and over again from all your guests, but even if it's small action, everyday action will get you to that goal. Um, I think I heard on the podcast at one point when one guest said, you know, you'll either win or you'll learn. And so even when it's not a win and you fail, you'll learn something from that process. And that, and, and, and like they say, you learn more from that failure than maybe you do from your wins. And so action, um, and I would say that early on, like one of the reasons why I chose my cousin and why I just replicated his deal was because I, I knew the steps that he took. And so I, it was easy to be like, well, he did this first, so I'm going to do that. Then he did this so I'm going to work on that. And so I had kind of a playbook on what he did. And I didn't know any better than to go, than to think, wow, you're investing a lot of capital, 3000 miles away. You're not going to see what's happening. You're in a profit share agreement. You were doing all these complicated things that I didn't have the experience for at the time, but I didn't know any better. And because I had a playbook, I was like, well, this is the next step. I have to figure out how to do that next step, but I have somebody who did it. So I can just call him and ask.
0: Tammy, you mentioned how you learned some lessons. Would you be willing to share what some of those lessons were with us?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, My first deal, uh, I definitely learned a lot of lessons because, like I said, I was building um, a spec home in Southwest Florida and um, I was in California and I had to go from buying a lot to getting the contract with the contractor to building the house to then selling the house to then putting, using a 1031 exchange to buy the next property. So mm-hmm. it, it went through so many steps and I learned so much about real estate in one transaction because of the full circle process that it was. Um, but some of the lessons I learned, oh God, I learned so many lessons, but one of the early ones I learned was when you're, I was buying, I had to buy a lot. And when you're buying a, a lot of land in Southwest Florida, there's lots of endangered animals there for those who don't know. <laughs> Um, there's burrowing owls, there's tortoises, there's, there's different animals that the state is protecting. And so if you happen to have land where an animal at some point, um, was there built a nest, even if they're gone, even if it's flooded, if there was an animal there that had its home on your property at some point, they put a stake in the ground, a white stake, like a cross saying this area is protected. So I, um, was looking for lots in this neighborhood that my cousin had invested in. They had it was one of the better neighborhoods in this town. Uh, it's it's near water and um, it's, it's just a really nice neighborhood. And I noticed this one lot that was about twenty percent less expensive than every other lot in the neighborhood. And I didn't understand why, but it was in a great neighborhood on a great um, area. So I I I drove by it. I went to Florida. I drove by it. And there was that white stake, And so I asked my cousin, he's like, oh, you gotta stay away from the, the lots with white stakes because it means there's a burning owl. And he told me this nightmare story about, you know, a tortoise that moved onto his property and he had to pay $15,000 to get, you know, such association to come and rehome this tor- tortoise. And then when they came to rehome it, the tortoise was gone. And so then they, they, uh, they, uh, they couldn't move it. So then they couldn't take off the class. It was just a, a whole process. So... I said, okay, so I did a little more research and I found out the details of what having a burrowing owl on your uh, property means. And I'm sorry, I'm talking about burrowing owls so much, but I'm, I'm almost getting to the end of <laughs> no, my story. this is
0: interesting uh, because this is uh, something that's unique to somebody's market, um, you know, that yeah. you may not think about, especially
1: if you're out of state investing. Yeah, so please continue. <laughs> right. So so um, I did some research and I found out that burrowing owls mate. For about four to six months a year, and I found out what that time was because during that time there's a certain amount of feet you can build away from them, and so I figured out that it was far enough on the edge of the property that if we build at a certain time, which was the time we were looking at to build, we wouldn't we wouldn't um, interrupt or you know disturb the burrowing owl nest. There was no burrowing owl there, but again, at some point in history there was a burrowing owl there, so we were able to. Uh, build our entire house, uh, and not disturb the boring owl and get this lot for 20% cheaper because nobody wanted to touch it. So we really won when we bought, we really, um, our deal came from our buy and how, how well we were able to purchase it. Cause like I said, the deal didn't end up, um, working out the way my cousins did that, you know, where he made more on his, on his initial investment. However, we were still able to win because of the, deal that we made by buying this lot with a burrowing owl nest.
0: Tammy, that is a great example of becoming good at something that everyone else is scared of. It's like uh, mm-hmm. foundation issues. How many investors are like, oh, foundation issues? No. And then somebody coming in like, I'm going to learn how to fix the foundation and I'm going to become the expert in that. You just became the expert in burrowing owls and you <laughs> save 20% on a yeah. lot. But just by taking the time to actually learn what it meant having that cross on your property and how to work around it, because a lot of time it's just problem solving. You have Mm -hmm. an issue in front of you, you have an obstacle in solving that problem. So thank you for sharing that story with us. I'm glad you went into talking about burrowing owls.
1: (laughs) No, I was just going to say that's happened with several deals of ours where people were staying away from a property for X, Y, and Z, and we were able to figure out how to how to make that deal work because most of our deals have come from the MLS. And so we, if we didn't get creative, they wouldn't have worked out.
2: And I, I think the lesson there too, for for all of our rookie listeners is that there is a price point where almost every deal makes sense. And for you with this burrowing out issue, it was a 20% discount that you needed for that for that deal to make sense. If there's a foundation issue, like you were talking about, actually maybe it's a, a 30% discount, um, but there's some number where almost every deal will make sense. And I think as a new investor, it's not necessarily what are they asking that, that you should be so concerned with, but it's like what is the number that my underwriting, that my analysis says this deal makes sense at and kind of start your negotiations from there. But you know, I yeah, I love the creativity, Tammy. I love the the problem solving. Now I, I wanna I wanna kind of deep dive this whole spec build process. So um, I, I know obviously you scaled to 17 units. I don't think all of those are spec build. So we'll kind of talk about how you scaled in a bit. But before we do, just first define what you mean when you say spec build home, um, and then just kind of walk us through the process that you you kind of went through to you know take this deal from zero to 100.
1: I should mention, I started off uh, with Funds from a sale of our primary residence. So we bought our primary residence in 2011. It had appreciated quite a bit by the time we were selling it in 2015, and we had this chunk of money. Um, and so we were like, "This is the perfect time for you to get involved in real estate because you have this money." And mm-hmm. again, we had a—I had a cousin, and so um, we first started by shopping the um, for the lot. And then um, my cousin had this profit share agreement with this contractor, where um, he would build the house for cost, and then he would take part in the profit once we sold it. Um, And again, there was some learning lessons in working with this contractor. Um, One of the learning lessons that I learned, that I happened to, um, one of the lessons that I learned was that, If something feels fishy at the very start, um, take a moment and (laughs) maybe reconsider. Um, So one of the things he put in his contract was that his his wife had to sell the property, um, which I thought was strange because um, I didn't know why he was so adamant because I had asked if we could just, you know, have a, a third party sell it, but he was adamant that it had to be his wife. Later, I found out that she was new to the area. She had no contacts. You know, it, she was very much starting out her her career, and so it, it probably hurt us in, in the sale part. But um, a lesson learned. Um, and so what we did was we constructed the house, and then and that took us about six months, and um, and then we put it on the market, and we thought it'd sell right away, and it didn't. It, it took a little bit longer because of some of the. Uh, some of the issues. Um, but we were able to sell it and in the end we made about 10% return on investment. And um again, I probably wouldn't have put that much capital into one deal uh and put all my my eggs in one basket like that. But it's what I had at my disposal and it's got me started.
2: Can I ask a, a follow up question, Tammy? So I, I just want to make sure I'm understanding the, the relationship between you and this builder. So you went out, you paid for the, the land in cash. Is that correct?
1: Yes. I paid for
2: the land in so cash. You, okay. So you brought the land and then the contractor brought, he, he covered all the construction costs or were you actually paying him to build it out? But just at, just at whatever it costs him.
1: Exactly. I, okay. I paid for everything. That's why I said, I gotcha. don't know if it would be smart to do this otherwise, okay. but again, I knew no different. And so I paid for the lot and I yeah. paid for all the construction. I, he, he didn't take it up, it was just cost. So it was just what he gotcha. was paying his subs and for gotcha. the materials. Um okay. And then when we came to sell it, it was a 60, 40 break. So I made 60%, he made 40%.
2: Gotcha. Plus
1: oh. the commission that his wife made.
2: Interesting. Okay. All right. So I'm sure there are some big, so you already named one, right? If things feel fishy at the beginning that, that maybe that's a red sign what are some of the other lessons that you learned kind of going through this new build out phase that we can share with the listeners?
1: Uh, well, again, the, the, um, the, Borrowing owl part was a, the the part of the lot, and then the building again. I didn't know much about construction, and so I mm-hmm. really used this time to get educated. So mm-hmm. I'd ask him a ton of questions. I mean, he was probably sick of hearing me, but he would say, "Well, this is going to cost this, and if we do it this way, it's going to cost this." And I'd be like, and then I'd have him break down to me why that costs that much, and why this happens, and why we need this, or can we do that? And, and he would. I got a full education on what building a house was. So, and that came. For free for me, because well, not for free. I obviously invested in the deal, but it was a, a perk. And so, I would say, when you're working with contractors, um, use that time as an education time. You know, ask questions, get the information you need to grow. I one of the things I do is I I always get three quotes for everything, and I I learned that from BP. Um, And the reason I do that is one to see what the better price and the person I get the best vibe with, but also to learn because I ask questions at every quote and I ask why they're doing that. And is this possible? And, and I get information that helps educate me for my decision.
0: I think that's super valuable is taking on a partner and kind of leveraging not only them as a partner as to whatever they're bringing to the table, but those other unique skill sets they have. So, yes, like the part of the partnership was he was going to be basically the project manager and oversee the construction and handle the build. But also you leveraged him by getting knowledge and information so that you can learn, too. And I I did that, too, for my liquor store building. I took on a partner, I gave him some equity, and he did a lot of the rehab and remodel. But I also worked alongside him to learn a lot of the things that went into doing a full gut rehab.
4: I'm curious, have you been struggling to keep your vacation rental booked? Curious to see what you could be earning? You can get a personalized income estimate right there. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at what Vacasa can do for you. Check out BiggerPockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A. BiggerPockets.com slash Vacasa.
2: Hiring? Your search is over. Really, there's no need to search. Match instead with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates super fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to hire top talent faster. Speaking of top talent, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. But why do I love Indeed? Because I'm busy and scrolling through 300 resumes is not helping my business grow. It's actually making it slow. With Indeed, I can hire faster and know I'm getting someone who can do the job. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit. To post your jobs with more visibility at Indeed.com slash Rookie. Just go to Indeed.com slash Rookie right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash Rookie. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
4: Whether you need to buy or sell or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered.
0: Tammy, are there any other properties that you had that kind of had like a lesson in them too? Um, Maybe some issues that came up um, that people should watch out for too.
1: Yeah. um, I Gosh, I feel like, so one of the things I do is after each property, I take some time and I write the lessons because you'll you'll forget them, right? And so Mm -hmm. I write down, um, you know, this happened, didn't feel good. (laughs) This is what I've learned. This is what I'll do next time. Um, And just writing it down will help cement it. Because when you hit these bumps in the road, they hurt, you know, they're like, oh, is it me? Like, why did that happen? Um, Like, am am I not supposed to be doing this? And if you can take that lesson or take that hardship and write it down and think about what you would do different next time, then it's actually not a waste. It's actually something that you can uh, use to to make you a better investor. Um, And yeah, I've... I've had plenty of, uh, of, you know, when we we bought um, a fourplex um, after a couple of properties after the the spec home, and I, you know, I I work with, I had to work. It was a full, pretty much full gut remodel, and I had to work with lots of contractors. And one of the things that I learned is that contractors are people too, and and I think as a woman, you walk into a job site and it can be a little bit intimidating. It's like walking into a mechanic. You're like, well, what are they going to try to sell me or how are they going to try to change order me or whatever it is? And um, I, I, I've gotten much better, and I've learned how to how to have a relationship with my contractors. One of the things I do is I speak Spanish fluently, and so I I speak Spanish to them if I know that's their primary language. I I try to relate to them. I I, I let them know you know that I'm on a budget and that things need to work out a certain way, and and I just talk to them like like a uh, like person to person and I get to know them and I get to know their, I know, I I know everybody's name on the job site. And, um, I, I try to build relationships so that so, up to now, I haven't gotten cheated by any contractors, and I feel like i've ha- I've built, been able to build good relationships with them. But I still get three quotes, no matter what.
2: yeah, Tammy, I, I want to talk a little bit more about that. Before we do, I just want to go back to the the end of the spec home build. So we know that you it was a six month job. Uh, you made a ten percent cash on cash return, but you mentioned that you ten thirty one those funds into something else. Um, so first, for the investors that aren't familiar with the ten thirty with what the ten thirty one is, can you define that for us and then let us know where you took those funds? And last piece, you also typically have to hold the property for like closer to a year to be able to ten thirty one so I'm curious how you're able to kind of navigate that piece as well
1: so i um a ten thirty one is a tax term for basically doing a like a like in kind uh, exchange. So you are um selling a property and you are reinvesting the profit from that property into another property or land. It can be any kind of real estate investment, as long as it's real estate. Um, you do have to keep it for longer than a year, but I we had this for 18 months. And mm-hmm. also we were able to show that, you know, we had the intention of um, potentially renting it and so we didn't have any issues at, at that at that point. We spoke to the ten thirty one, the qualified inter- intermediary, and they told us that that would be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we we sold it. We used the profit from that, which wasn't which, which you know was a considerable amount of money because a lot of it was cash that we had to invest. Mm-hmm. Um, and we purchased two duplexes side by side um, because our our long term goal was to really have lo- uh, you know long term buy and hold properties. Um, after we'd been educated because during those 18 months I started listening to BP and figuring out what to do and and I learned so much that I was like oh I shouldn't have done that as my first deal but um, here I am and now I know what to do
2: Awesome. Well, I love that you're able to kind of take that 1031 and use it to, to keep growing the portfolio. And yeah, just as, as a quick side note, like there are situations or um, I guess um, exceptions to that 12 month rule. Like we sold one of our properties uh, about nine months after we bought it and we were still able to 1031 because we were able to show and prove that our intentions were to hold it as a rental. Um, but, you know, the market had adjusted and, and, you know, we were kind of capitalizing on that opportunity. So um, the 1031 is definitely a, a way that a lot of people grow wealth fast. Uh, when it comes to real estate. So thank you for, for kind of letting us know how that story ended. So I want to go back to the contractor piece because you mentioned that you're you're good at building relationships, but um, how are you finding contractors, right? Because I think that's yeah. always a struggle for, for new investors. It's honestly still a struggle for us. We just had to end a relationship with a contractor two weeks ago. Um, so like, h- how are you finding good people in today's uber competitive market?
1: Yeah, I will say it can be a challenge, but... Um... I, I meet even if you have one person that does their job well, it could be mm-hmm. a realtor, it could be a property manager, it could be a lender. You're one rock star in your life that you feel like, oh, he's the person that knows things. He's the person who gets things done. Then I use that person to get contacts. And you know, sometimes what I'll do is, even if I don't really know that person that well, but I know they worked on a job, I'll, I'll find out you know who who that person is, and I'll start calling people. I'll reach out to as long as I get three quotes, then I know I'm gonna get a more well-rounded idea on what the scope of the work is and what the price is. And so um, I, I talk to, you know, people that rock stars who know rock stars, and then I find jobs that I liked and I find out who worked on that job and I'll contact them. Um, and then lastly, if I, if I need a third person, and I can't find them, I'll go to Yelp, I'll go to Google. I'll I'll, mm-hmm. I'll start asking people that I know um, to get another contact.
0: Tammy, what did you end up buying with that 1031 exchange? You bought the two duplexes with that. And did you have to do rehabs on that? Are you doing rehabs on all of your properties? And with all of these rehabs going on, what are you using to manage these rehabs? Do you have any software? Is it, you know, Google sheets? What is it that's working for you to kind of keep track of all these projects you have going on?
1: Well, I should mention that my husband's love language is Excel, and so he (laughs) builds beautiful, beautiful spreadsheets for me, and I use all of those spreadsheets for all of our properties. Um, But yes, I, I, uh, your initial question was, "Am I using?" uh, What was your initial question? Sorry, just
0: like if you're using any softwares.
1: for any of the properties that you're doing rehabs on, yeah, yeah, and I am doing rehabs on all. So I mostly buy value add properties, mm-hmm. and so yes, I am doing rehab on all of all the properties that I buy. Um, and I did purchase after with the ten thirty one funds. I purchased two duplexes that were side by side, and the reason why these were a good deal is because um, they were they were identical duplexes, and they would not get insured, and they maybe they probably wouldn't qualify for. Um, traditional financing because their roof was in 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 need of repair and in Florida you know your insurance is a big deal and so they weren't getting touched by anybody who needed conventional financing so i had this chunk of money from from the 1031 i was able to use gather some more money from just our reserves and put all of our funds into purchasing these two duplexes cash my plan was to then put the roofs on remodel them and then refinance them a few months later which is what we did we um we bought these two at a real discount because it was all cash and they were i was buying two instead of one they had them both marketed separately but i was able to I found out that he was selling both and I said, I'll buy both for you if you give me a discount and I buy it all cash. And so that's how we made that deal. And then we did, we refinanced it a few, a few months later, um, pulled out the cash and then went and used that. So it was that, that original seed money that just kept growing, snowballing, um, into something bigger deal by deal by deal. I wasn't using the birth strategy, but it's still that idea of, you know, having your money grow and through each project.
0: I love that, and it, that kind of gives a little insight as to how you've been able to grow and scale. Is putting that value add into each property so that you can pull your money back out and go on to the next deal. So, have you done anything yes. else besides the new construction and buying the rentals, the buy and holds? Have you
1: dabbled in any other strategy? So, we just recently closed on our first short-term rental uh, about a week and a half ago. Congratulations! <laughs> <Your> <laughs> so. Uh- yeah, so I'm just I, I, and that was a surprise. I I hadn't expected to to buy a short-term rental, but I again was in a 1031 exchange and I had a week left and I couldn't find anything in Cal, in Florida and I met um a, a realtor at a meetup who was doing short-term rentals in in the desert and um she kind of showed me her numbers and I was like I'm not going to get into a whole new area of real estate a week before I have to identify this property. But then it was just like eating at my brain. So I spent like two days just doing all the research and reading like all the, all the stories and watching all the YouTube videos, you know, like from all like Tony Rob, you know, all the guys and like just absorbing, absorbing. And then I was like, okay, I think I can do this. And so then we put like five or six offers in a week and landed one two days before we had to identify.
0: That's another thing too with the 1031 exchange is that you have these timelines where you have to mm-hmm. identify a property, you have to, and then close on the property within a certain time frame, or else you lose the advantages of the 1031 exchange.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, it's stressful, but it's also, if you have a hard time with action, it actually makes you take action because you have a ticking clock saying you gotta mm-hmm. act.
2: <laughs> yeah, and that timeline goes fast. When we had our 1031 in process, like, I think we let like, I don't know, three weeks go by before we even started looking. And we looked up we're like, oh my God, like almost a whole month has gone by. So we, we, you know, we were scrambling like crazy to try and try and make it work. but. um yeah, but um, so cool. So with the with the short term rental piece, I, I love that you guys are dabbling in, in so many different pieces of real estate. You start off with the spec build, now you're doing the, the value add strategy. Now you've got the short term rental. Um, so uh, you know, I, I'm just trying to think of like the timeline here. So you you do this first spec build, um, then you go out, you buy the duplex. Can you just kind of like walk us through the timeline of how you get from those duplexes to now 17 units?
1: Yeah, so last year was a big year for us. We, um, after we bought, after we bought the duplexes, that was in 2019, um, yeah, 2019. And then 2020, uh, we had one property and that was a big project. That was a fourplex in in Long Beach, California. And that was a complete, that was the one that was a complete gut of the whole building and, and had to be all redone. Um, and then 2020, we were able to scoop up two deals. Um, and that was a three unit in, in Florida and a five unit in Florida. And the five unit was really interesting because that was, um, that was a property that also was just, was on the market for a while and nobody had picked it up. And I looked at it, I would looked at it several times and I was like, what, what, why is this property not? Getting bought, it's a five unit. It's in a great area, and so it it wasn't submetered for water, so that was one thing. It needed some. It had some deferred maintenance. It had really low rents, um, but all that stuff could be worked with. So I figured out how to submeter. <laughs> I did the, the research on that, and I learned how to do it. And it actually isn't that hard. I mean, it's 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 costly, but if you if you put that in your deal and you figure out what the number is, then you offer what makes sense. And that's what we did. And that's how we, that's how we purchased that one.
2: And so you guys are, you guys run a tear. Um, I, I just want to pick your brain really quickly. So you, you were doing a lot of investing in Florida. Um, and then you picked up this, this property in Long Beach. So for those that aren't familiar, Long Beach is like another big city that's, that's a little South of, uh, Los Angeles. So it's in California. Um, mm-hmm. a lot of people say that, that long-term rentals in California just don't make sense. Um, so what, what pulled you out of a state like Florida to, to invest in, uh, in Long Beach?
1: So it was just the deal. Um, we got approached and I was going to save this property for our, for a, a, like a, you know, deep dive, but the, it, it was a good deal. Well, yeah. And well, the, hold on. Then, yeah.
2: Let, let's do that then. Yeah, let, let, let's, let's do let's, that. Let's, okay. Okay. Yeah. Let, let's, let's do a deep dive on this one. So um, okay, I'm going to awesome. hit you first, Tim, just like some rapid fire questions to kind of set the table sure. and then we'll, uh, we'll get into the story from there. So, um, property type we already know that you said it was a a fourplex right
1: fourplex that's right
2: okay awesome and then city we just in long beach california yep Mm -hmm. and then what was the uh what was the purchase price
1: Seven hundred and fifty thousand.
2: okay cool so let's uh let's talk about how you found this deal first okay was it on the mls was it a wholesaler who 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 was the lucky person that showed it to you
1: so um we had uh an agent bring it to us and tell us this is an off-market deal um, this was a very interesting property because, um, it was a gang house. It was, uh, there was a shooting in Long Beach and the, the people involved in the shooting were, were tracked down to this house and the police had come in and, and arrested three of the unit, three of the, the tenants in three of the units and, um, had basically thrown the book at the landlord. There was like 27 code violations on the building. Um, and so... It was gonna be a lot of work and um, it was like pretty much all vacant. So that was the, that's how much it cost. I mean, that's how, that's, that's where the property was. And so we, um, should I go on or did you want to ask me a question?
2: Yeah, let me, let me ask something there, right? So this was your first, uh, property in California, right? So how did you, how did you build this relationship with that agent for them to bring you this off-market property? Because you've, you've never worked with them before. So why did they trust Mm -hmm. you as the potential investor that could close on this?
1: Yep. So I had, when I was in that 1031 a year prior, I had looked on BP and and looked for invest uh you know uh, investment companies here locally and i had read i had seen somebody write about this one in, this one realtor group and investment company in uh in long beach and so i had reached out to him when i was looking for a 1031 exchange property you know And I needed one, I ended up buying it in Florida, but I kept that relationship going on. And so he knew that we had some funds that we wanted to deploy and that Mm -hmm. we were interested in in, in, um, investing in California. And so he reached out to me because it met our criteria.
2: So a couple of things to point out there. So A is that the, the power of networking goes a long way, right? You mm-hmm. you kept that relationship open even though you weren't actively looking for something at that moment. And then when something popped up, he knew your criteria, which is the second important thing that if you can communicate to these agents and brokers and wholesalers what it is you're looking for, when they have something that crosses their desk that meets that criteria, you're hopefully the person they think of. And for you, Tammy, it seems like you're you're the investor that wants a property that nobody else wants, right? You're gonna you're gonna <laughs> buy the property with no submeter, you're gonna buy the property with the burrowing owl. You're going to buy the gang house. And if you go out there and you tell these agents and brokers that, Hey, I'm willing to take the properties that everyone else is passing on. That's, that's an opportunity for you to kind of make a name for yourself.
1: Exactly. And so we bought it and it was March, 2020. Mm -hmm. And, um, (laughs) we were in escrow and then COVID hit Mm -hmm. and we seriously thought about getting out because You know, it was, you know, it was like panic mode. Everybody, nobody knew everything stopped. People Mm -hmm. pulled out of escrow and we still had contingencies. So we could get out of escrow and not move forward. But we kept going back to the numbers. And, you know, that's the other thing. Once you've worked the numbers and you know, it's a deal, you kind of have to stick to it and, and follow through. And we came to a really crunchy moment where we were like, "Is this going to like, should we just pull out? Like, this is... I mean we're spraying the bottom of our shoes with alcohol like and yet we we now we have to go knock on people's houses and say hey we're the new landlord uh <laughs> and so we were like we should probably just pull out but we just kept looking at the numbers and saying no th- this is this makes sense this is a good deal um eventually this this thing will end and and people will need housing and and so we we pushed through and we um and we closed on the deal and honestly it being covid was a gift for us because we had the pick of the litter when it came to contractors. Everybody was out of work in April, 2020. Mm -hmm. All the jobs had stopped. And so we were able to get really good prices. I asked for discounts on things that I hadn't (laughs) done in a while. Um, I was able to get, uh, they finished in a little over 60 days, a full gut job on the building. Uh, I mean, we had a lot of blessings come from the fact that we were in such a precarious time.
2: Sorry, really quick I, I just want you said they finished in 60 days.
1: Yes. How many it's units for were they doing Were plex? they all four of them? Fourplex, yeah. Yeah, we had wow. one left, one one tenant left and so we were able to cash for keys her and um and then we went right to work and so we had the roof going, the windows that we were demoing and we did and again we had contractors willing to work because nobody else, everybody was out of work. And uh, we did it in a little over 60 days. Tammy, can you
0: explain real quick what cash for keys is, please?
1: That's um, when uh, you are in a situation where you have a tenant and they they still have a lease or you're in a state like California where it's just not not easy to get somebody out once they've been there for a long amount of time, even if they don't have a lease. And so you offer them cash for their keys. and um, you know, it's, an, it's a it's it's a number that suits their needs, and it's a number that is works with your numbers, and is still going to be profitable for you. And so that's what we did with the tenant. We offered her cash to be out. I think we gave her like three weeks, and um, and then and she she was you know she was in a building that had twenty seven code violations, and so there was there was mold throughout her unit, and there was all sorts of just bad bad scene, and um. But she'd been there for 20 years and it's amazing how attached you get, even if even if the place you're living in is not up to par. Um, and so again, it was a relationship. I went and talked to her several times and um, eventually we would be able to get her out because of the code violations, but because of COVID that was being delayed. Um, and so basically I, I tried to explain to her, we're, you know, you're gonna be able to use, we were giving her like seven times what she pays for rent. Um, and so um she initially said yes, then she said no, and then she said yes again. And so um it took her it took her a little bit of back and forth, but eventually um she she took the money and she moved to a much nicer area. So that's that's good for her.
2: So Tammy, I want to I want to talk through the numbers before we move on from this deal. So mm-hmm. I know the purchase price was 750 what was your what was your um, capital needed to close in the deal? So what was your down payment and your closing cost, do you recall?
1: So the total initial investment on um, that property was 292,000. It mm-hmm. was a 25% down uh, payment. And then the reno was about 105,000. Um, and we are actually in escrow right now for 1.224. So in two years, we were able <laughs> to double our our initial investment so we bought it for 750 um invested 292,000 and are selling it for 1.224 and will um, we will pull out of that deal about $600,000. Wow.
2: So what's uh, yeah. Are you going to do is, another that that is... 1031
0: exchange <laughs> with that then?
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah, so we will be in a another 1031 here in about 30 days.
2: <laughs> so what are you guys going to 1031 into with those funds?
1: I'm all ears. I, I yeah. don't know yet. Tony, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, You still did not yeah. have that property in Louisiana.
2: <laughs> I I could I could have sold your house in Louisiana. It would have been a terrible return, but the money would have went somewhere. So. Um, but no, yeah, Tammy, that's, I don't know. That that's amazing. So you you were all in for it looks like uh you know somewhere around a million bucks. You're gonna be able to sell for for one point two two five pretty much. Um, slam dunk deal. Can you just, can you, really quickly, can you tell us what the rents were before and what you were able to push them up to in that time?
1: So we, again, the three units were vacant and then mm-hmm. one unit was $700. And mm-hmm. now uh, our, the two bedrooms are going for 2,000 and the Ooh. one bedrooms are at 1,500, yeah.
2: Wow.
1: So it's a great cash flowing asset, but one of the things that I didn't mention during this two year process is that we eventually leased up the whole building and then we ended up, and one of the lessons learned is uh, be really, really good on your leasing and really st- uh, strict on your on your um, on your uh, criteria. And we weren't, and uh, we ended up having an eviction during COVID, which was extremely painful. But it was a big mm-hmm. lesson learned, uh, and so we we now, now it's a great cash flowing asset. But I think after you go through experience like that, you know, they talk about those landlords who get rid of properties that cause them pain. Well, even though that property now is a cash cow, because I went through that painful eviction experience, I, every time I bring up that property would just kind of give me like heartburn. (laughs) And so I, at the beginning of this year, I was like, let's just sell it. Like it's already reached our goal. Let's sell it, let it be somebody else's happy property, and because I just have too many memories left with that one. And it's gonna be a great property for this new owner.
0: Yeah, it's like a a headache property. It caused you a headache once and then you always think about it.
1: (laughs) You always think about it that way.
0: Okay, well, Tammy, uh, thank you for sharing that deal with us uh, and congratulations on it. That is awesome and good luck with the 1031 exchange. I wanna take us to our rookie exam. So this is where we have uh, three questions and we are going to, um, give you a quiz. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So the first one is one (laughs)
1: actionable thing rookies should do after listening to this episode. Um, I would say, uh, write down a goal, you know, even if it's just by the end of this year, I'm going to have put in 20 offers or if it's, um, by the end of this year, I'm going to be under contract. or by the end of this year, I'm going to attend twenty meetups or put put down write down a goal and then start taking action towards it. Um, just if you take action every day, and I know people say this over and over, and I know it sounds cliche, but it it really is at the core of being successful. If you take small, consistent action every day towards your goal, it, it it's 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 foolproof. You will get to your goals and probably sooner than you expect.
2: Awesome. So question number two, Tammy, what is one tool, software, app, or system that you use in your business?
1: Um, We use apartments.com for all our properties in Florida. That's how we collect rent. That's how we write up our leases. And um, because I have a kind of a mom and pop type property manager in Florida, it really helps streamline that and, and, and create less work for me. We also use Stride for miles and then, we use wave app for our, our, our bookkeeping accounting stuff.
0: And for the last
1: question,
0: where do you plan on being in five years?
1: So we're hoping to end the year at 25 units. I, it, it's at this point, it seems a little aggressive. And, but I, like I said, you put it out there, if you don't reach it, you'll still, you'll still win if you, if you, uh, if you grew at all. Uh, but in five years, we'd like to be at 50, 50 units. Um, and, um, hopefully sooner
2: so I want to take us to our Ricky request line Uh, so for all of you that are listening if you want to get your question featured on the show give us a call at eight 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 five Ricky leave a voicemail we might use it on the show but Tammy are you ready for today's question
4: yes hi my name is Stephanie I live in Massachusetts and my question is would it be wise to pay down credit card debt before investing in my first property or should I go ahead and invest in a property and use the income from that to pay down debt? I am finding it hard to pay it down with the income I currently have. Thank you.
1: I think given the you know at a different time when interest rates weren't wouldn't aren't as high, I'd probably say, invest. But you really have to look at your situation and see how high your interest rates are. If you're, if you're paying 25% interest every month, I would start working on getting those credit card bills down. However, you just have to do the numbers. You need to see how much this property, how much a potential property is going to bring you, and then compare that to how much you're paying monthly on credit card. And whatever is higher, that should be your priority.
2: Yeah, I love that. I love that advice, Tammy. I mean, I, you know, I think this is such a deeply personal question, Stephanie. And, you know, everyone kind of has like a, a different approach to this. Like, I have a friend who just paid off his mortgage. Like, that was a big goal for him. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'll ever want to pay off my mortgage because the interest rates are so, you know, we got like a 3% interest rate on our primary house, right? So it doesn't make sense to right. pay that off. Um, so I think this kind of goes into the same situation. Um, if the debt is like crushing you, which, it, you know, I'm not saying that it's crushing you, but, it, you know, you said you're having a hard time paying down the debt with your current income um i would think that maybe focusing on getting that debt down first might be better in your unique situation um but at the end of the day stephanie is going to be based on you know kind of what you feel is best financially
0: okay well before we end the show i want to highlight uh this week's rookie rock star it is shane albert uh his wife and him just closed on seven new doors today purchasing a portfolio of a triplex three single family houses and a burr all of their own intertwined into one closing. Wow, that's awesome. And uh, brings them to nine doors total. We were fortunate enough to find a way to do this with only $500 out of pocket. Wow, Wow, that is so (laughs) cool. Congratulations, Shane. Um, I think we're gonna have to get Shane on the show and talk more about that deal for sure. Uh, Yeah,
2: I don't think I've ever heard of anyone getting nine doors with only $500 out of pocket. That's
1: crazy.
0: Well, Tammy, thank you so much for joining us today. Can you let everyone know where they can maybe reach out to you or find some more information on you?
1: Yes, um, I'm on Instagram, even though it's mostly pictures of my kids, but um, it's Tammy Skeeth on Instagram. Um, you could also email me at Tammy Skeeth at Gmail, and I'm on Bigger Pockets as well. And um, I'd love to connect with people out there. And um, and network
0: well, Tammy. Thank you so much for providing so much value today to our listeners. Thank you. I'm Ashley at Wealth from Rentals, and he's Tony at Tony J Robinson on Instagram. And we will be back on Saturday with a rookie reply. So make sure you are sending Tony and I your questions on Instagram, or leaving them in the Real Estate Rookie Facebook group, or leaving us a voicemail at one eight 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 five rookie, and we may. Just play your question on one of our rookie reply episodes. Thank you guys so much, and we'll see you next time. The market is changing, and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market, it's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals, enter a few details about what and where you want to buy, and boom, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. There's free resources only available at biggerpockets.com deals get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com slash deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only.
2: Past performance is not indicative of future results and all host and participant opinions are their own.